Hey guys, it's Marianne, dog mom, baker, true crime podcast maker. What would you do if someone killed your best friend and it's been 33 years and it seems like nobody is doing jack? You would start a podcast and go find the answers yourself. And that's exactly what we're doing here at Crime Scene and Cupcakes. So join us as we look for the answers and also find the answers and some other unsolved cases as well here in Kansas. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as many other platforms. You can also find us on all the social media apps, such as Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, you name it, we're there. So come find us. Okay, I can't, I can't stop laughing. I'm Carmen. And I'm Joanna. And I've been diagnosed with laryngitis. <laughs> and welcome to Live, Laugh, Murder. Joanna, speak. And I'm Joanna. Oh, it's so bad. And this is Live, Laugh, Murder. Oh. Oh, wow. You're coughing like crazy. You need a lozenge. I know. Oh, my gosh. Those Mucinex, um, the mu- you know, mu- Mucinex ones, they work amazing. What, the lozenges? hmm Do you call them cough drops or lozenges? Cough drops. Yeah, you don't have a voice, Joanna. I know. I've, I've been diagnosed with laryngitis for real. But, like, how long, does that, how long does that last? So my doctor compared me. Mm-hmm. to um, singers and performers oh. Oh, because yes. they never rest their voice. Mm. So I said, since March 20th, I've lost my voice four times. It's not come fully back, to be honest. No. No, it came back, honestly, for like two or three days. And mm. then I had like sinus pressure. And then just yesterday, mm, what's today, Fridays? Wednesday evening, I started losing it again. Well, it's okay. I said to Joanna today, I said, do we need like a substitute? <laughs> No, never. A, a substitute person on the show. And she said, absolutely not. Yeah. Well, something like that. Okay. Welcome to Live, Laugh, Murder, where we tell stories that may or may not be true. Our stories are either the facts of a true crime case or the plot of a horror movie. Today, however, is a little different, Joanna. Uh-oh. Of course. Because today is a twofer. We haven't done one of these in like a year. It was one of our first episodes. And basically, do you remember how it works? Yes. You told me two stories. I'm putting you on the spot. Um, Yeah. I'm sleep deprived and I'm exhausted. But you're here. I am here. And I love you. I love you more. Okay. So I'm going to tell you two stories today. One is going to be true crime and one will be the plot of a movie. And at the end of both stories, I want you to try to tell me which is real and which is fiction. Okay. Okay. Um, The thing here is that they will both have a similar theme. Our last two for the one, we, the first one, the only other one we did was like that too. I tried to kind of have a connecting theme between the two. Do you have any last words? Are you going to let me do my Florida man story? 
Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's got to be better than mine last week because last yes. week's sad, depressing, short. <sighs> well, the title says, part of it says, only in Florida. Cape Coral, Florida. It's a spectacle among those like the Florida panther and the invasive Burmese python that you'll only find in the country's southernmost state, Florida Man State. Mm. It's a certain title that has become known all around the globe. Florida Man is well known. There's even a TV show dedicated to the to this careful craft. I love that they call it a careful craft. Like, it's it just really like a is. hobby. Yeah, it's a craft to be a dumbass. Yeah. Over Sorry. the weekend, it's okay. Over the weekend, a Florida man was spotted out in a Cape in Cape Coral doing what he does best, capturing people's attention. A man traveling through the city noticed a motorcycle like he had never seen before. It's wheels and handlebar. It has wheels and a handlebar, but the body of the bike was of that of a jet ski. What? Yeah, you didn't see this? No. <sighs> Without hesitation, they took a photo of the man riding his creation, consisting of a cross between a sports bike and a jet ski. While it um, it is amusing to see, a spokesperson mm. with the Cape Coral Police Department says the creation this Florida man is riding is most likely illegal. Well, no shit, Sherlock. In the, in the photo, you can you can't clearly see a license plate, which is the biggest issue. According to the Florida law, motorcycles must have headlights, handlebars not higher than the rider's shoulders, at least one rearview mirror, and a turn signal. It was it's also required that any rider under the age of twenty one rides or wears a helmet. And that's it. They never caught the man. It's just a quite crazy. I think Becky sent me this. Becky or Amy, I don't remember. But let me show you the picture. What is? Can you see it? Hold on. I feel like they probably have one of those. Oh shit! It is the bottom of a jet ski with a. No, seat. it is the jet ski. It is the. What did they like? They put wheels underneath, like a trike, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. That. that is hilarious. I want to post that on our Instagram. Yeah. Also, yeah, send that to me. You need to tell people how we're recording today. Yeah, we're recording remotely. We live 45 minutes from each other, and it's just gotten to be really, really difficult with jobs and kids. And But hey, we found yeah. a way. We found we a did. way. We did. The podcast comes first. And we're still, I still get to see your face. And we still get to have cocktails together. Yes. Okay. So with that, we hope the sound quality is good for everyone. So real quick, I, I was on the treadmill yesterday and I was like, I'm listening to a podcast and it's these two guys who I, I like follow on TikTok and I'm like, they're so freaking hilarious. So I was like, let me listen to them on like their podcast. I got so bored. They oh. spent, because they spent over like 10, 15 minutes just like BSing back and forth. And I was like, mm. do people get annoyed with us? Like I tried fast forwarding and I got nowhere. I was like, I'm done. But <laughs> you're right. People, I try, we try, I think we do a good job of getting to the story pretty quickly. I yeah. And so. I feel like our band, like their banter was just kind of annoying. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think we're kind of annoying to people too. You can't expect much around here. <laughs> well, and their podcast was like an hour and 45 minutes. Like, who has an hour and 45 minutes? Okay. So and I have nothing to take notes on. You'll be okay. I have faith in you. So we established today is a twofer. I'll be telling you two stories, one true, one fiction. And we'll see if you can get it by the end of the show. I'm just going to ask you a question before I jump right into my first story for today. Joanna? Okay. Yes. What is one of your fears? Oof, drowning. <gasps> Being trapped. <gasps> I Same. almost I almost drowned once as a kid. Oh Jesus! So yeah. yeah. Oh God. No. Do you think they all come from a place like your experience? I don't know. That's where mine came from. I was young and I I was like 
I had swimmies on and I was like, I don't need these swimmies. I'm too old. And I jumped right in over my head and I looked up and I could see my sister floating by and I grabbed her. Holy shit. She tried pushing me off. I was like, I'm drowning. Wow. Yeah. Drowning is a fear, a fear of mine too. I don't like deep, deep water. Well, we touched on it last episode, a recent one we did, but one of my biggest fears is the feeling of being watched. Okay. The thought, oh, yeah. and you shared the story of seeing the a window. face in your aunt's window. The thought of someone unknown seeing my every move, and this is going to resonate in both stories I'm telling you today, and both are creepy as fuck. I will reveal at the very end which is true and which is a movie plot. Story number one. It's the summer of 2020. Where were you? Geez, summer 2020. That's not far. That's not too long ago. Probably up in Michigan visiting yeah, with my family. It was right after COVID. You didn't go to Michigan then. Maybe I didn't go up. Yeah, I definitely didn't go up. I was so not paranoid. Summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Well, imagine you and I are going to stay in a vacation home for a short weekend trip. We are pumped up about getting out of town, staying up late, catching up, having some drinks and quality time. Basically, the trip that we just took for your birthday. That was amazing. <laughs> yes. Right. Well, imagine, if you will, that you do all of this, getting to your rental, enjoying all it has to offer, when not long into your stay, you realize that something is awry about the house. Ooh, something, awry. Mm-hmm, something is off and you just want out. Oof. Today, I'm going to tell you about a woman named Mina. She lives in Portland and feels like she is in a great place in her life. She and her business partner named Charlie have just secured the funding they need for their startup business and are about to be balls deep in work. And I mean, imagine. 2020. 2020. Yeah, imagine. You get the funding. Work is about to pick up. You're excited, but you're also like, oh, shit, we got a lot coming before us. So before they get a jump start, Charlie says, you know what we should do? We should take a break. A little getaway just to enjoy life before the inevitable shit storm of work hits us. Mina isn't so sure right away because, or I'm sorry, isn't so sure right away, but she agrees to check out Airbnbs. They browse on the computer in the office and see one that is just gorgeous. It's pretty pricey though, since it's right on the coast. And remember they're in Portland, Oregon, but they say, fuck it, let's just go. We need a break. You might think it's a little odd at first to hear about two business partners of the opposite yeah. sex going out of town, right, going out of town like this at first, but it's not. After working together for a while, Mina ended up meeting Charlie's brother, his little brother, Josh, and they are now dating. So it's kind of like a little situation. So Mina and Charlie are business partners, but Charlie's brother, Josh, started dating Mina when they met at the office one day when he was there. So it, they're all kind of friends. Does that make a little more sense? Yes. And to round it all out, Charlie's wife, Michelle, and Mina herself have gotten close in the last couple of years too. So it's kind of like a foursome, you know? Yeah. They're a tight group. Yeah. Are they all going on vacation together? Right. Yep. So they decide that that's that. They tell their significant others, everyone's on board, and next thing you know, they're driving the two hours or so in Charlie's Mercedes from Portland to the coast to have a little vacation. That sounds like a terrible road trip in the Mercedes. Is it a <laughs> is it an SUV? What does it matter? Well, a four hour car ride. I said two, two hour, hours, but with four people, all that mm -hmm. luggage. No, there's mm -hmm. got to be an SUV. That's only for a weekend. That, yeah, right. but okay. How much did I pack for one weekend? You digress. I, no, you know, I've realized in my life. 
at 38 years old that I don't know how to pack for a trip. Yes, that is very evident. I know how to. I the trips I've taken recently, Joanna. Everything I've packed, half of it is like useless, and I don't use I, it. It is because you you pack like is this maybe like four outfits for the evening, right? And then you don't end up doing anything. I feel like my future self, I imagine, is uh like a picky bitch <laughs> and doesn't know what she wants. Future? But my present self, yeah, my future self. But my present self, you know, when I get in the moment, I'm like, yeah, I'll just wear whatever. Yes, I'll pack like an asshole. All right. Yeah. Anyway, we're not talking about us. We're talking about them. The house that they rent is as gorgeous in person as it is online and the photos on the app. It's right near cliffs, the ocean. There's a hot tub and more rooms than they need. In planning for the trip, Michelle sets up a hike for them to do Saturday morning, that Saturday morning, and they definitely plan to let loose at night. Of course. That's the whole point. Yeah. To spoil things for you, Joanna, this weekend of fun is soon going to turn in to a weekend of torment. I was say of tragedy. Of course. I mean, it wouldn't be the episode. <laughs> this is the live, laugh, laugh, murder. Yeah. Live, laugh, enjoy your life. Live, laugh, have a great Airbnb weekend. Because as the group will find out, Joanna, the house they're going to visit has a watcher, a person who stakes it out, a person who watches all who come in and all who go, and they have no idea. Is it the owner or is it somebody the owner has hired? That's a good question. Or is it just some rando? Those are all great questions. Answer. I'm going to clink my drink and take a sip. They, they'll get answered. Don't worry. So as I was saying, there's such a general discomfort with these rental houses. We are literally staying in someone else's house. A person yeah. who, right? A person who can come and go as they please, essentially, when it comes down to it. When they arrive, they do the typical things for checking in a house. What, Joanna, what are those things? Make sure the beds are clean, the bathrooms are clean. I know nowadays you have to check for cameras. Mm-hmm. All that shit, right? Yeah. That's why would you say that? That freaks me out. Check for cameras. cameras. Yeah. You don't even see like people. They're putting them in like phone chargers or outlets or mm-hmm. the Fire lights alarm. in the bathroom mm-hmm. or the lights in the like in the actual shower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you must be clairvoyant or something because you'll see. We we have a connection, Joe. <laughs> Um, yeah, so whatever. They unpack their groceries that they brought to cook. They put their clothes away, hook up to Wi-Fi, all that shit. Michelle even takes the time to like clean their room and make sure that it's to her liking. Very me, very Carmen, if you will. Yes. What's different to me, though, is they actually have to meet the person that they're renting from to get like a tour of the house and house directions. Yeah, yeah. W- whenever I've gone to an Airbnb, it's no contact. No, unless – what was the movie we watched a couple weekends ago? Girls Trip. Oh, <laughs> with Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. <laughs> yeah, Tina Fey's like showing them around and then oh, even hangs I out with them that. one night. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. So I know that this isn't always common, but in this scenario, it's what's going on. So I'm just delivering the information. Okay. Taylor, who is the man that I just is introducing them to the house. Taylor doesn't own the house, but his brother does, and he takes care of the house for him by renting it out and fixing things around it, you know, that kind of shit. So going into this weekend, something I didn't mention is that Mina is upset. There's immediate – okay, so Mina's upset. There's immediate tension because she originally tried to rent the home on Airbnb but was denied. However, Charlie, her business partner, was approved like an hour after she got denied. The only conclusion Mina comes up with – is some kind of racism being involved because Mina's name is Mina Mohammadi. Uh, and on Airbnb, 
on Airbnb, you have to upload a photo with basic info about you. So she's convinced that there's, to her, there's no other reason she's denied other than her being Middle Eastern, whereas Charlie's application for the same exact house, same information, same job, same city, everything, but he's approved as a white man. So she is very uncomfortable and put off immediately. This is important because Mina actually brings it up (laughs) during their house tour with Taylor, the older man, like older, when I say older, like older than us. So like 41. I mean, (laughs) right, exactly. (laughs) Nailed it. All he basically tells her is, if you don't like the house, you can follow the cancellation policy on the app. And that's what Taylor tells Mina in response to her being like, why didn't you approve me? And why did you approve Charlie? Like what? And he leaves. So starting off their weekend with tension, right? Right off the bat. The debate here is that if you go into someone else's house and they make you feel uncomfortable, what do you do? You drove all this way. You spent all this money. And Mina feels like she has to just like reconcile the situation, just go along with it. Like how I feel. Right, 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 right. It's like, what can you really do? He might be a prick. Josh, her boyfriend, tells her, let's just enjoy ourselves and not let this douche bother us. And the rest of the group wanting to take walks on the beach and whatnot. So she just tries her best and she just tries to suck it up, like you said, and get over it. I want to talk a little bit about Josh and Mina for a second. This relationship has the dynamic where Josh feels like he isn't good enough for her. Interesting. It is, right? Like he's, or I'm sorry, like she is so smart and successful and she doesn't need a man to fulfill her. Meanwhile, Josh got kicked out of college years ago because he put a dude in the hospital at a frat party. Okay. He's, he nearly beat the guy to death and Josh actually served jail time. And now he's working as a Lyft driver. (laughs) Yeah. And he's trying, he's trying to keep himself above water and it's just him and the dog. And now he has this amazing woman and he knows she's out of his league, but also she's a good influence on him. And he just loves her the way he knows he can. And he's thankful that she stays with him. I mean, think about it. He's like the fuck up younger brother. And his older brother, Charlie's like starting a new business and is like has a Mercedes and a wife and this gorgeous business partner, Mina, who he meets. And he's like, yes. And he, you know, I was going to say he nails her, but (laughs) I mean, I guess in both ways. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever. Whereas Charlie and Michelle, the other couple here, they've been together for a few years at this point. Charlie has always been the successful brother, but he and Josh, they they very much are close. Charlie has gone from girlfriend to girlfriend, oftentimes overlapping relationships. He's ladies' man, leading him to Michelle, who's sweet and friendly overall. Michelle loves nature, bonding, talking. She's lovable. And honestly, Joanna, in all of my research, and I do air quotes because you don't know what this is, she reminds me of you, like in all the best ways. Oh. On their first night at the house, the girls surprise the guys. They tell them they brought Molly. But not our friend. Not our friend. That would be an epic fucking surprise. Right? Right. Molly. Oh my God. This is like Girls Trip, that movie. Yeah. Or no, not it's not called Girls Trip. That's another movie. It's called Wine Country. Wine Country. The one we're talking. Because the one brings Molly and she's like, I've been listening to a podcast about microdosing. And then they're all like, I would listen to the podcast, but I'm not gonna do drugs. Yeah. Okay. So the girls 
brought, they surprised the guys by bringing Molly. They want to party. They want to let loose. So why not? Michelle, though, she's the one who brings up, she planned a hike for them to a waterfall. She wants to wait until the next evening to get fucked up. She wants to go to bed early the first night, rest up. And honestly, that's what, I don't blame her. And that's what she does. She's like, y'all do what you want. I'm out. I I think I'd be, I, I know I'd be the same way. This is where I want to pause and tell you, remind you, this house is being Oh, yes. Okay. Right? It's easy to forget. There's someone who walks by multiple times a day, and not just that. As you completely spoiled, there's cameras installed in the house. Ah. Joanna, you kind of called it. What did you say a second ago? Where you would hide, where, not where you would, where cameras can be hidden. You uh, said, phone chargers, yes. clocks, um, yes. lights. I mean, all that shit. Mirrors, behind mirrors. Oh, gosh, shut the fuck. Ooh, that one freaks me out. Well, as we will find out, this house has cameras installed. And I'm just going to rattle off what I had already put in my notes, but you pretty much said it. Light fixtures, the smoke alarms, wired, wired into nightstands and appliances, in the air vents, and most upsetting, and you said this, Joanna, in the shower heads. I am like uncomfortable. So just to sit and think about everything that what we do in these rental homes that we rent and just hmm. no like the shot I mean you're taking a shower like that's your private personal time exactly think about them on un- I mean not just them you me unpacking talking using the restroom every yeah. single thing being recorded and just sit if you just sit with this thought for a second eh, second over second I don't want to sit with that thought no either. On the first night of their trip, the three do get high while Michelle Michelle goes to bed. They stay up late dancing, talking. They debate dinosaurs. And Mina just hangs with – I know, right? I mean, what do you do when you're on Molly? I've never taken it, so. Neither have I. Mina, Mina hangs with the boys, I'll say, until Josh passes out early, her boyfriend. Joanna, long story short, Mina and Charlie end up fucking. They do. Yep. Her business partner and her boyfriend's brother. I'm not going to like – I told you a minute before we started, like I have toggled with this quote-unquote story for like a month and I've rewritten it a thousand times. And I had that at the end, at the beginning, in the middle. They fuck, okay? They're so high on – Molly is basically what, ecstasy? Their partners are asleep. I mean, there you go. I can't even sugarcoat it. So they do – I mean, obviously regret it the next morning for – I mean, what kind of reasons would you say? Well, I mean, you have to be with these with your significant other for the rest of this trip, and knowing you together, knowing yes that you did what you did, and you started a business together. You're in the beginning, like. Do they like? But they remember it though. Yeah. Oh, of course. Okay. So yeah. Next morning, they say things like, "We're smarter than this. This will never happen again." Whatever. It's they don't happen even again. <laughs> they don't even go on the hike that Michelle planned. Because they're too hungover. It's if that right there, if I was Michelle, I'd be like, fuck you guys, you're assholes. But really, is it that they're hungover or that they feel guilty? I feel like they should go so they don't look guilty. I know. Okay. Meanwhile, every single thing is recorded, every conversation, every action. You keep, yeah, we keep forgetting. And it's not, I'm going to tell you now, it's not the homeowner. Can I take a guess on who it is or who it was? Sure. Was it like a former guest who stayed there? Ooh, I like that. You know I'm not going to tell you. No, I know. But like that would be like almost the perfect crime. Because if I stayed there and I put the cameras in there, 
like the homeowner's not going to know. But then when Damn. somebody catches them, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, the homeowners. You should be a story writer. But then I'm wondering, would they realize like, oh, this is when the cameras were put in, so they catch you? But then you use a fake name. But how would you get caught? Like, oh, Because okay. there was no cameras before. Well, someone has to find the cameras though, right? Yeah, that's true. Whatever. Okay. Okay. So that weekend after the sexident, and oh, yes, sexident. I put that in my notes because I was so proud of myself. Can that be part of the um, <laughs> title? All right. Mina ends up finding one of the cameras after the sexident. Secretly, she obviously freaks out to Charlie. Like, what the fuck? Telling him, we have to get rid of these. This will ruin everything. What did we do? You know, all of that. They don't know the extent of the watching happening through this time, though. When they find the camera, Mina wants to call the cops. Creepy, right? Yeah. She says, let's get Taylor here and call out that racist prick. But Charlie is the one who reminds her, like, hey, if we call the cops, they find the router. They find the footage. Michelle and Josh find out what we did. Oh, my gosh. Is that really worth it? It's literally the reason that they decide to say nothing. Oh, my gosh. So during their trip, after all this bullshit, Michelle decides she wants to use the hot tub on their second night. But she has to call Taylor over because it won't turn on. When he comes, Mina loses her shit on him in private because she's convinced this prick is the one who has these cameras set up. Calling Taylor out for every for recording them and for being just a dick. It gets so intense because she blames him for the cameras that she found in the bathroom, mind you, and they struggle over his phone. Now, I want to remind you, her boyfriend has what one might call anger issues. One might call. He ends up overhearing Mina arguing with Taylor, not knowing why, though, and walks in on them. Imagine they're struggling over the phone. He immediately loses his shit, punches Taylor in the face knocking him out, not really knowing why he's doing so because he has no clue what Mina and this man were discussing. And when I say punched, I mean, Taylor got fucked. He is passed out. Like, what do they say? TKO. Yeah. (laughs) Taylor really is a weirdo. When he had gotten to the house in the first place to fix the hot tub, he says, the white girl called me about the hot tub, so I'm here. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole situation is just bad. And remember, everything is recorded, my dude, my little dudette. Does does Taylor know? Or you're not going to tell me? Well, my next note is let's get to who is watching them and why. Because there are some theories. (laughs) We love good theories. Okay. One (laughs) (laughs) One theory is that Taylor's the watcher the whole time. That he has this set up and it all leads back to him. That's one. Ready for another one? Yes. Another theory is it could be the man who actually owns the house, Taylor's brother. Mina says that when she confronted Taylor, he genuinely seemed like he had no clue about the cameras. Like, what? I, I, like, even though he's a dick and an asshole, she felt like he genuinely had no clue, like, what the fuck she was talking about. That's number two. Number three. Next theory, it could be someone from work trying to destroy their new business who followed them up there because it's a dog-eat-dog world, Joanna. And then number four, it could be a perfect stranger who is just a sick fuck and likes to fuck with people's lives, like you said, voyeurism, just watching. Voyeurism. Josh 
has a rap sheet, as they say. Um, okay, he's been in jail. So he does get super freaked out after his adrenaline calms down because he knocked Taylor out, who's like a grandpa age. Oh. Josh went – yeah. yeah okay, yeah. but you didn't say that. I know. I said older than us and you said 41. Josh wants to lie and claim self-defense against Taylor. Okay. Because we know Taylor will press charges, I would assume. But Charlie, you and I know about the cameras, right? Charlie says you can't because it's all on camera. Revealing that. that, mm -hmm, uh, Charlie ends up telling his brother, revealing that he and Mina found a camera in the house. The brothers just worry about Josh going back to jail because even Charlie, like, you can't go back to jail and, you know, I can't go back to jail. It would ruin everything good going for him now. So they end up searching the house for a router or anything they can to track down the footage. All they find is a locked closet. They all have locked closet. It's probably their cleaning supplies that they don't want you stealing. The events I've described so far do not make this story something that would make the news. So far, nothing really has happened that is... Only because we know about – okay. What ends up making this something worth talking about is that someone dies. Of the four. four. Mm -hmm. There's Mina. No, Taylor's the boyfriend or the guy. What are the other three names? I only remember is Mina. (laughs) Mina Mina and Josh, Charlie and Michelle. So Charlie Mm -hmm. and Michelle are married. Mm -hmm. And then Charlie and Josh are brothers and Mina's business partner and girlfriend. I'm going to say Michelle dies. Well, Michelle dies. Oh! Mm-hmm. Fucking wow. Well, um, I just figured like she would be like, she's like the least character. She's not like, a, I feel like she's not a major character. So when she dies, even if no, it's No, that's no? not oh, even okay. the thing. The thing here though is that Michelle's the one who can't stand the thought of lying to the police because Josh and Charlie want to f- lie to the police about why Taylor got so hurt. Okay. And they want to claim self-defense. And Michelle's the one who is like, fuck you guys. That's fucked up. I'm not doing that. No, so they kill her? No, no, they don't okay. kill her. No, during this night when they're trying to find all the cameras and shit and they're stressed and they're all arguing with each other, in the midst of it all, everything comes out about Mina and Charlie fucking. That like, jo- like it all just comes out in this crazy evening. And in their search and coming days – all the cameras are eventually found and taken down. What happens is that when Michelle finds out about the whole deal, the sex, the assault from Josh, them trying to lie to cover it up, she takes off leaving them all there and she gets in a car crash. She does unfortunately not make it out alive. That's weird. Which is, it's weird and it's sad because of all these people, she's the one who's kind of like innocent in the situation. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. She did She wanted to go to wrong. bed and yeah. And yeah, and she didn't, you know, have an affair. She didn't punch someone out. Like she's the only one, whatever. In the end, the watcher of this house is never found. The person who planted the cameras is never found. It turns out that it was set up by a former renter. (laughs) Joanna's cheering. Who came in, installed cameras days, months, a year we don't fucking know. And they have never been caught. I have a confession, Carmen. What? I wrote this story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm two for two on guesses. Well, this is a two for, so we're not done. This is only half of my my notes here. Um, where was I? Uh, they have never been caught. 
This ended up sparking a search with people who own Airbnbs to find other houses that have been bugged by renters. So that's when it all started. mm -hmm, But with fake identities, the internet, and all the ways to scam nowadays, this person has never been caught. What is happening is he or she will go to an Airbnb or like a VRBO, rent it, set set it all up with cameras. Then it seems like they just like wait and watch and the cameras just sit there. Why? Who knows? Wouldn't the owners know like – or when they found the cameras, mm-hmm. would, or can the police look at the footage? No, because it's all like online. So uh, you can find the routers and disable everything. But I mean, I don't know. I'm not a tech person. So, and who, and of all the, think of Airbnbs, uh, 365 days. I don't know how many they rent to, but say half of that, 150 people in a year, if you're like a very popular one. It's, and you can use fake names and identities. Okay. Yeah, there's evidence of them having been on the property sometimes and other times not. Like physically, the whoever's doing this physically being there. On I'm the picturing like I'm pic- picturing that TV show, Pretty Little Liars. Oh my god, I love that show. Okay, as far as the people in our story that I've been telling you about, I'll fill you in after story number two. Okay, so that wasn't like a murder, murder. That was just like a creepy. Yeah. Because I was creepy thinking pasta. like. <laughs> Creepy ravioli. <laughs> ravioli. If I stayed at a place, mm-hmm. like I said, I was like, oh, well, the police would know like when they were installed. Yeah. But I guess but if they have they? no, that's insane. Because mm-hmm. these poor owners, they're getting a bad rap. Yep. I just, wow. <laughs> I feel like I've been, list- I've been, do- we've been doing this for too long. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm like. Your brain is spinning. I'm becoming a detective tomorrow. Just write a novella. Write a novelette. I should. I should. You should. You'd come up with some crazy shit. Don't tally that. Don't tally S-H-I-T. You're freaking me out with your tallies. Story number two. Listeners, I hope you're good. Buckle up. Summertime again. 2014, Joanna. Where were you? In Florida. Yeah. I mean, same. Living my best life. 2014, I was (laughs) extremely pregnant with my youngest daughter. So I was quite miserable, as they say. On a particular night that June, a husband named Derek has just finished painting his recently purchased purchased home in New Jersey. He and his wife, you have to Maria, say it, New Jersey. <laughs> suck it, Joanna. I will not. He and his wife, Maria, or Maria, if I'm going to be like you, <laughs> closed on their six-bedroom house at 657 Boulevard just three days prior. Wait, wait, wait. Six bedroom for what purpose? The address is six. Oh, six. Yeah, six bedroom. Okay. I'm going to tell you. They have kids. Okay. Just chill. Um, three, they, three days prior. Don't ruin my story. They haven't yet moved in because they want to do renovations first. It's a six bedroom house, so Jeez. they have money to do renovations. Obviously. New countertops, appliances, backsplash in the kitchen. All that shit. Thinking it a good time to check the mail, Derek heads out to the mailbox. Being that the house was vacant before they purchased it, he just expects to find, you know, junk mail, shit like that. Wow. I just said shit like that twice. Uh, Okay. He is surprised to find among the bills a white card-shaped envelope with, quote unquote, the new owner scrawled on the front and a typed letter inside. It's weird. And here, and here is what the letter states. Well, Ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another drink. <laughs> All right. 
Here's the letter. Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. What? Wait, what? This is the letter. Just listen. (laughs) My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched the house in the 1960s. It's now my my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family, or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood has ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement, or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It'll help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you too brought us family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I'll be watching. (laughs) Are you kidding me? It is so creepy. So, And that's just the letter that they found. I have a lot fucking more to tell you. Like how long do each family stay there? Trying to like obviously picture this as a movie because I'm just like picturing this man holding his letter. And his eyes just getting wider and wider and jaw just being like. The way your eyes got wider and wider as I read that letter? Yeah, pretty much. All right. Buying this home was a dream come true for Maria and Derek. As individuals, Maria grew up close by in the neighborhood in Jersey, and Derek grew up in a working class home, moving his way up the ladder for an insurance company in Manhattan. He is now the senior vice president with a salary so high they could afford this $1.3 million home. The couple has three young children, and they are all excited for this new opportunity until this letter with no return address. Now let's go to the scene of Derek reading the letter, which you just kind of mentioned. It's nighttime because he's been working on the house all day. So after he reads it, he freaks the fuck out, races inside the house, and shuts off all the lights, closing the blinds, all of that. And then immediately he calls the police department. When the officer shows up, Derek hands him the letter, and the officer literally says, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Don't quote me, Joanna. That's not my cuss. That's the cop. Don't care. Yes. He <laughs> He asks Derek if he has any enemies and advises him on safety tips, like not leaving construction equipment around outside that can be thrown into a window. But what more can be done at this point other than reporting it? Like, what can you do? So Fingerprints? I mean, you would think. I'm going to get to it, okay? Okay. I know you're being coy. I'm going to get to it. 
So Derek goes straight back to his family that night. Like he's like, fuck it. I'm going driving home because they haven't yet moved in. Being that they are not actually living there while it's getting worked on, it's late in the night. He and Maria email the people that sold them the house that very night. They ask if they have any idea what this is about or who might have written it. Andrea, the previous owner, replies the next morning saying, quote, a few days before moving out, we received a letter and yeah, we thought it was strange too. But did they receive a letter moving in? She said a few days before moving out. That's weird. She says her letter was pretty similar and that someone claimed to have been watching their house for a long time. But according to Andrea, that was it. Like they never received anything else like this in the 23 years they lived there. She said that her and her husband just threw the letter away that they got. Like it was no big deal. (laughs) Joanna's like, oh. Well, Maria is pretty convincing in how upset she is, and she convinces Andrea to go to the police station with her that day. Well, this happened at night. The next day, yeah. Right. Detective Lugo says, yeah, don't tell anyone about these letters, including your neighbors, most of whom you never met and all of whom are now suspects. So in the time following, the Broaddus family is on another level with their anxiety. Of course. Obviously. Derek cancels his work trips he had planned, and they make note that when the kids are there with them working on the house to keep a sharp eye on them, never letting them wander on the property. Yeah, naturally. Naturally. In an attempt to try and make friends after receiving this letter, they go to a barbecue across the street. And this sounds like a very nice, like polite neighborhood. When I moved in and any house I've ever lived in, I've never had neighbors like have a barbecue for me. Our neighbors next door, when they moved in, it was around like Christmas time and they brought us Christmas cookies. Oh my gosh. See, And then they did it again this year. And then like, oh, they're so good. Like I trust them. Like they're good people. They watched our house. Yeah. Well, did they watch your house? Yeah, they took pictures and <laughs> wink, wink. While they're at this barbecue, they're just scanning the party looking for clues and not letting their kids out of their sight. Maria can't help herself and constantly is yelling their names to stay close by. Yeah. At the party, Derek chats it up with a neighbor named John, and John starts spilling the tea about the curious family that lives next door to the Broaddus family, telling Derek how 90-year-old Mrs. Langford, 90 years old, lives there with many of her adult children who are in their 60s. They're kind of weird, John says, but he says they're harmless. Nothing to worry about. One of them is kind of off like a Boo Radley in the neighborhood. Boo Radley. Oh, my gosh. And that's what he says. Derek goes to Detective Lugo about this, telling him his theory. this theory. Detective Lugo tells him, this is not CSI and basically tells Derek they've already considered this theory, but there's no hard evidence here and there's nothing they can do about the probably nothings going on around them. All Derek thinks is, what the fuck? Someone's threatening my kids here and probably isn't good enough. Another day, Derek agrees to show the updates of the house, you know, the renovations to a new neighborhood, like a neighbor friend that they made, a couple. So he gives a tour to this other couple. During the tour, because they want to see how the house is coming along, the wife says, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. (gasps) Derek freezes on the spot, tries not to make a scene, and just acts normal like nothing is wrong. Later down the road, Maria stops by the house to look at paint samples and check the mail. She instantly recognized the thick black lettering, but notices that this time the envelope is addressed to them directly 
Mr. and Mrs. Broadus, but with their name spelled wrong, which is weird. So here's what the next letter says that Maria found this time. Welcome to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy, and I've been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? What? (laughs) Okay, I was like sitting back lounging, listening to this. It literally made me shoot up. Oh, God, I can't. Oh, I can't. In time, they will. I am pleased to know your names now and the names of your of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. Oh my gosh! Oh my god! So this is when they completely stop bringing their children to this house. Well, so they what are they going to do? Never bring their kids to their new house? Well, they still don't live there, right? They're in turmoil, honestly. They have no clue how this person knows all these things about them, how they know their names or the kids' names, even knowing how old the children are. They're now debating whether or not they should even officially move into this scary place. And then several weeks later, a third letter arrives. Here's a quote from it. Where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. <laughs> oh my God. So creepy. Being that this house is the most gorgeous on the street, the biggest, the most expensive, and in the safest neighborhood, everyone is stunned. What the fuck? Say it. The couple are racking their brains trying to figure out who did this. They wonder if it's someone who maybe put a bid on the house and lost to them, like to someone pissed. But after asking Andrea about it, the old owner, she says there was only one other interested buyer who ended up actually backing out before anything and are already living in a different house. So that theory is squashed. Yeah. Derek becomes obsessed and basically begins his own investigation. He sets up webcams and sits in the dark at night watching mm -hmm, to see if anyone is watching his house. He has a map of the neighborhood detailing when people have moved in. He has drawings of, and this is crazy, he calls it sight lines on the map showing places you can see as well as a circle he labels approximate range of earshot. So because the they one of the letters called out his children's names. So he like would stand at different parts Stop. of the property and I think Maria helped him with this and they would yeah. like talk and see where you can hear each other from. So he's trying to figure out how close does someone actually have to be to my property to learn all this shit about my family. Derek hires his own private investigator who stakes out the neighborhood and runs background checks. He reaches out to a former FBI agent who know, who he Derek does, who he knows from high school, and this is where he finally learns something, anything, but not much. Using handwriting analysis, it is thought that the writer is an older person because there are old-fashioned like ticks in the letters, like the way we write yeah. our letters. You know, you know what I mean. Also, note like my grandpa Ted. I can't read shit that he writes because his cursive is so like. Yes, like my sweetie, grandma, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Also, noting that the author always mentions the weather, and this is why they think it's like an old-fashioned style, sunny and cool for a summer day. Like is one of the lines. And the sentences had double spaces in between them. It is thought that the author must be an avid reader with how they write and notes that there's zero profanity. So that's another cue, like maybe they're older, more sophisticated in their reading style. But when you get older, you're not going to be sophisticated. But we're a different generation. We don't tuck in our shirts, Joanna. Yes, I do. We're elder millennials. (laughs) 
You don't tuck in your shirt. I tuck I in tuck, like half of my shirt. I do half. Yeah, exactly. Because we're cool. Um, okay. But in the end, the FBI buddy tells Derek, this writer is all talk. There's no real threat here. They won't act on it. There's pro- They're probably just erratic. They seem to hate this the rich for whatever reason. So maybe they're just taking it out on Derek and Maria. In one of the letters, it's written, here's another quote, the house is crying from all the pain it's going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. Yeah, Yeah, you're you're stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room imagining the life with the rich occupants there. So (sighs) maybe if this is a former owner. Right. (laughs) And to finish this quote. The house was full of life and young blood. That just creeps me out. Then it got old and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. All right. At this point, Maria and Derek are losing it. Derek keeps blaming his next door neighbors. The, what did I say? Langston? Langfords. Langfords. So much so that he hires a lawyer to get as much information as he can on them. And each time he comes up with nothing. Maria has nightmares that some stranger will, with like a pitchfork, is going to attack her and her kids. They spend hours Googling anyone who even seems suspicious. They're losing their shit. Among the suspect list, the PI finds that close by are two registered sex offenders in the neighborhood. They also come... (laughs) Joanna's rolling her head. They also come to find out that another neighbor behind their house had set up lawn chairs in their yard. Normal. Except that the lawn chairs were not set up for typical sunbathing. They were just facing the broadest house, Derek's house. Too close for comfort. So this is like everywhere you look outside this house is weird things happening. So is this this house like a historical It's what, 110 years old? I mean, it's a beautiful home, but it doesn't – this is just not okay. By the end of this year – and I said it was 2014, there are still no answers. From summer to winter, nothing. No fingerprints on the letters, which you asked about. No witnesses, nothing except words like this. And I have another part of a letter for you, Joanna. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it's my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. Good Lord. 657 (laughs) Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. Where were Maria and Derek this whole time? Not living there. That's for damn fucking Yeah, where were they living? They can't bring themselves to put their kids in harm's way, respectfully. Their old house that they did live in has long since sold, and they were forced to move in with Maria's parents. They're fighting constantly. And Derek falls into depression while Maria starts seeing a therapist after her general physician asks her, how are you, at a routine visit, and she breaks down sobbing. That happens. That's when you know, like, I need to get some help. So that's it. They're forced to sell this godforsaken house. 
it has ruined their lives with fancy new updates and renovations. They may they think that they could even make money off of it, right? It's gorgeous. Wrong. The house has a stalker. There's a sexual predator at that house uh, in the neighborhood. The house has been empty now for six months. What's wrong with it? The house is creepy. All things people are saying as to why they refuse to buy this house. As rumors spread around town, it gets bad and people won't even walk down the street. They can't sell the house. It it then is like released. People start finding out about this shit and they are sitting on this $1.3 million mortgage. Hmm. In the end, even after a DNA test on the letters, turns out to be that of a female. Hmm. Gone crazy. Gone crazy. No suspect is found. The next door neighbors Derek was so worried about are completely ruled out by police for unknown reasons. Derek and Maria spend a last ditch effort, I'm sorry, a last ditch winter evening knocking on doors along the street asking their neighbors if the handwriting looks like those on their Christmas cards. So they're just like hoping for a sliver of hope. So they it's Christmas time. So they're walking down the street, knocking on the doors. Can I see your Christmas cards? That's so weird. And like comparing the handwriting themselves to their letters to see like who is doing this to us. And every time, nothing. They're desperate. So this leads to people around town making up their own conclusions. They, people around town, it is rumored that the Broadus family sent the letters to themselves. Why? Now that you've heard both stories, Joanna. <laughs> they both which, sound like a movie. Which do you think is a movie plot and which do you think is a true crime case? They seem both like a movie. Longest episode ever. No, it's not. I'm looking at the time. Seriously, you did a really good job making it seem like they were both movies. Thank you. You're welcome. The only one that had a death was the first one. Uh-huh. That's true. I'm going to say, I feel like, okay, so you said 2020. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was when uh, like the whole camera thing was coming out. So mm-hmm. maybe they made a movie about it. But I feel like they made a movie about it just a year ago. <laughs> so maybe like they based that off of the true story. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say first one, a movie. Second one, true crime. Okay. So story one about the Airbnb is in fact the movie. You got it What's right. it called? What's it called? I'm going to tell you. And story two about the letters to the Broadus family is true crime. <laughs> it doesn't make it any better. <laughs> no, but I still like, they never found the person who wrote the letters. No, no. I'm going to tell you more. Okay. I need more. But the okay. movie, I feel like there was just a movie like, honestly, like this year or last year that just came out. I'm not going to lie. I only saw the movie tied to this, so I don't know what you're talking about. But it, but could it be this that you're thinking of? Can no, I'm gonna go, no, because I know no, it's just it recent. But go, go. Okay. All right. So I'm going to fill you in on many things I had to skip in my storytelling. Story one, what happens – so I'm going back. So let's go back to number one, Airbnb, cameras, Josh, Mina, Charlie, Michelle. What happens is that – oh, and spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't seen the movie, I haven't even named the title. I'll get there. You'll be okay. Is it called like Airbnb no, Watcher? I, no, I'm going to tell you in a second. Watch your air. What happens in what, what happens is that the night Josh punches out Taylor when the group is arguing about what to do, a masked man comes in and suffocates Taylor to death and kills him. The group goes in to find a dead man and decide this is why Michelle leaves in the Mercedes and like ends up dying. 
The group goes in to find a dead Taylor and decide to cover up the crime by throwing Taylor off a nearby cliff. Okay, but if wait. If I was Michelle, I'd be like, fuck all y'all. I'm out. Wait, wait, wait. How did the man get in the house? Because he was there to fix the hot tub. No, Taylor no, no. The man, the, the masked man. Oh, I don't know. He just fucking walked in when they were arguing. The masked man. Where were they, they arguing never, at? They were all arguing about what was going on. But where, though? Oh, in like the living room or something. And where was Taylor? Knocked out in the bathtub from Josh punching him out. So while he's passed out, a masked man sneaks in and chokes him to death. Do you see this? Yes, but you don't see the face. They never end up getting to pull this plan off, though. Uh, So they think, they believe when they go in and find Taylor dead, they don't realize he was suffocated. They think Josh killed him in punching him. So they decide to throw Taylor off a cliff, which makes Michelle freak out. Okay. They never end up getting to pull this plan off because Michelle dies first after saying there's no fucking way she's going through with this. She's like, this is wrong. This is murder. This is accomplice to murder. This is whatever. So she dies first, okay? How does she get in a wreck, though? Like, does she... I mean, I wasn't going to spoil all the parts of the movie, but the masked man ends up setting like a trap, like where it's like you roll out the spikes so someone's tires will flatten when she tries to drive away and she gets killed by so the murderer. It's knew. a horror movie, Joanna. Um, Charlie dies second, trying to find her like out on the road, her husband with a hammer to the head, by the way. She, he gets hammered. It's a horror movie, Joanna. It's a horror movie, okay? Okay, but I, like uh-huh. literally before uh-huh. – this you did the second part. I'm like, oh, nobody died. <laughs> it's a lie. Uh, and Josh and Mina are killed after having the videos of Mina and Charlie having sex sent to Josh's phone. Who this killed was them? The, we don't know. I told you we don't know. This was the movie plot of the 2020 movie titled The Renter. The Renter was written by Dave Franco. The movie was only an hour and 28 minutes, and it's Oh, this is the best part, Joanna. This is why I watched the whole movie. It was played by Lip from Shameless. The dude who plays Lip. Yep, he plays Josh. And I was like, I'm watching this. Yes. Uh, not, wait, what's it called again? The Renter. What's it on? So I, oh, I don't remember what I watched it on. You'll have to look it up. <sighs> I immediately loved him. And I actually loved the movie. And I give it a four out of five. Now let's get to the true crime case to kind of wrap this up. This is... The story about the Broaddus family was actually made into a like a TV miniseries on Netflix called The Watcher. Okay. It was made into a series, but it's all based on a true story. Oh my gosh. My mother-in-law said I should watch this and I never yeah. did. Yeah. Well. What if I had it? Oh my gosh. Now I need to watch it. But if you had watched it, you would think it was the show. You would get it backwards. That's true. I would have said. Right? I didn't know. I watched The Watcher too and I didn't know that it was based on a true story until I looked into it and I was like, holy shit. It's creepier. It's creepier in person too. All right. First of all, so back to – now we're talking about story two, The Watcher, and I'm going to fill you in on the details here. This started in June 2014, and like I said, it is still unsolved. The thought of them, right? The thought of them sending the letters to themselves is that maybe they had buyer's remorse for buying such an expensive home and concocted an elaborate scheme to try to get out of it. Or maybe Derek was shooting for insurance fraud. Either way, it's a theory that they did this to themselves. Also, maybe they wanted to get famous for like a movie deal. But that's false. 
That's what people thought. That's what people rumored. That wouldn't work because they didn't talk to the press in real life, this real couple, for years, Joanna. They were offered like story deals and they declined everything because they were so freaked out. They even turned down movie deals to write about this. So listen to this crazy detail about the Watcher House. And that's what it's known as if you look it up, the Watcher House. One night, the house was being staked out by police. And around 11 p.m., a car stopped in front of the house long enough for them to trace it back. It led to a young woman who lived nearby whose boyfriend lives on the same block as 657. Apparently, her boyfriend was an avid video gamer and his avatar was named The Watcher. Of course. When the boyfriend was supposed to show up for an interview, he never showed up. Never came back. And there wasn't enough evidence to pursue the lead to like press charges. Another interesting fact, the Broaddus family weren't the only ones who received letters, which is like, what? And they didn't know this. The whole time that they were going through this, they had no idea that other people in the neighborhood were also receiving letters. Well, why didn't anybody come out if they knew? Exactly. Exactly. Another family nearby got one similar as well, but thought nothing of it. And they, this is the thing. Derek and Maria took it so seriously. Another family got a similar letter and just tossed it in the trash and never thought of it again. Like, they didn't care. Exactly. It's hard. I've linked my sources with so much more information for anyone who wants to look it up that I could than I could give here if you want to read more about this true story. It was made into the Netflix miniseries, like I mentioned, that I devoured. And then, Joanna, I hated the ending because there's zero resolution. And that's when I didn't know it was a true story. It was like depressing and frustrating. Like, I need an ending. I saw there's going to be a season two, but how can they make a season two? It's just going to have to be all like, what do they call that? Creativity? Or maybe or maybe they did solve it. It's not solved. Um, this real life ending is just as awful. After two and a half years of trying to sell, the family could not sell this house. The story had gone viral and no one wanted to live there. They considered tearing it down even to like build something new, but the city wouldn't allow it. I'm going to have to watch it. Honestly, like it's so funny because I, I don't know, maybe it was one of my sister-in-laws was like, you have to watch this movie. It's called yeah. The Watcher. And yeah. I think and they're like, oh, it's based on a true, true life. Yeah. And I was like, nah, it's not for me. And now that so, you're saying it, I remember. I okay. Um, okay. So the Broaddus family, they eventually got a renter with a clause that if another letter ever came, that the renter could be let out of the lease with no penalty. And two weeks into the renter, a letter arrived. And here, and they hadn't received a letter for fucking like a long ass time. So do you think here, that's why they thought it was the owners? I don't know. So let me tell you what the letter said, the okay. one that came to the renter. And this is the end of my wrapping it up here. Violent winds and bitter cold. To the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. <laughs> Holy shit. It's like those are fucking fighting words. You wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. I'm sorry. I have to pause. This is so scary. I told you at the beginning, Joanna, that one of my fears is being watched. This freaks me out. Okay, to continue. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the watcher, period. I'm sorry. Like, what was the motive? Like, what was the motive? What was the motive? 
As of 2023, which is the last I could find when I looked it up, the case is still unsolved. The house was sold in 2019 to Andrew and Allison Carr for $400,000 less than it was sold in 2014. And as of this past fall, no new letters have arrived to the new owners. So I'm wondering if that's like their family. Oh, snap. Like what if that's like a distant cousin or like a relative? Or like a friend from middle school that fucking had a crush on Derek or hated Maria and was like, bitch. Well, honestly, I did say that Maria grew up nearby that house. She grew up in the neighbor in the quote unquote neighborhood, as they say, in, in Joyce. So maybe, <laughs> so maybe, maybe it's that someone was from when she was like a kid. Messing with her. I don't know. I don't do know. Like, what would you do? What would you do if you're receiving letters? Well, I think about the person in the neighborhood who like said that they got a similar letter and just threw it away. But then I think like kids, I don't know. It's really scary. Yeah. If they, got, if they mention my kids, those are fighting words. Right. No. But you just buy this house. It's your dream home. Yeah. I don't know. It's scary. What would you do? Yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, if they didn't mention the kids, I mean, I mean, you have curtains, if you have security cameras, yeah. I don't know. And the show is different. Like things happen in the show that are very similar, but obviously they take liberties. It's interesting. You should watch it. The ending sucks because it's there's no ending, but whatever. Just go in it for the ride. Now that you know okay. this part, you're going to enjoy watching it. Because you see them unravel. And it, it was so interesting when I was researching it. Like Derek legit unraveled in real life. He got – he lost his shit. They, I did learn that – I think it was Lifetime or something did make a movie about them without their permission. And everything was exactly the same except like the races names. of the actors and the names. And they took action against them. They didn't want their story out there. So I don't think that they did this to themselves. So then how did Netflix get it? Well, eventually – so what happened is they ended up releasing the story to be told by the uh, New York Times. And that was the first story that put it out to like out there from all the details. And then after that, they were more open and then Netflix picked it up and they allowed it. Because it's been, what, nine years? And the show, the show came out probably about two years ago. It took them a long time. But they got there. But anyway, and that's that on that. I gave you more than enough information to handle on our second twofer. And in another year, in, a, blah, 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 blah. in another year, 2024, I'll give you another twofer. It takes too long. It's okay. You know how many times you cussed? No, 57. 50. Good. I'm proud. Well, I think this worked out, us recording like this I liked online. It. Uh, let me exit out of here because- Wait, let me do a like, text to talk. What are you going to say? Here. Well, thank you guys for listening. Wait. <laughs> Wait. Never murder. So you say live, laugh, and... Okay, wait. Never murder. One more time. Uh, thanks for listening. And remember to live, laugh, but... Joanna? Never murder. <laughs> Your stupid text to talk. <laughs> I said I have... I'm, I'm diagnosed... Laryn, no, I have laryngitis for the fourth time. Like you said that five hours ago. This episode is so long. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for stopping in. And we really hope you enjoyed our twofer. Live, laugh, but never talk through an automated voice. See you in two weeks. Joanna, say bye. Uh, bye. Hopefully my voice sounds better. We'll see. I doubt it. No promises. Bye. <laughs>